How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com and anywhere you download podcasts. I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano. We got former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman RJ Hollis. And guys, after a much needed extra week off for some family time, we are back here on BFF as we get ready for the 19th Hawaii Bowl as the Rainbow Warriors are going to take on the Memphis Tigers on Friday. That's Christmas Eve at the Ching Complex, 3 o'clock kickoff, and it will be televised on ESPN. Tickets are available at eTicketHawaii.com. Now, in the week that we were gone, a lot went down. More University of Hawaii off-the-field drama that appears to at least be working into a place where this team is growing, this team is learning from some of the things that may have come up in the past. Uh, you also had a recruiting class, the early signing period, which happened on December 15th with the Rainbow Warriors welcoming the first nine members of the class of 2022 here to the University of Hawaii. We are going to talk about all of that and, of course, talk a little bit about the Hawaii Bowl. First things first, Rich, does it feel like game week? I mean, I don't know if it's because of how the season ended where it was almost a foregone conclusion that the Rainbow Warriors season would be over, but they have those two big wins against Colorado State and Wyoming, and uh, an additional bowl game is added after the bowl season uh, seemed to already be solidified, which then made Hawaii Bowl eligible, uh, being able to create this matchup against Memphis. And then you had the departures of of Chevin Cordero, Day-Day Hunter, among some of the players that left. And then you had the Twitterverse episode that went down. You know, I mean, just so much took place here over the last few weeks that it's almost hard to wrap your mind around that the Bows are going to be on the field on Friday, right? Yeah, it's starting to feel a lot like Christmas, Rob. But at the same time, there's been a lot of drama. There's been a lot of uh, social media. There's been a lot of off-the-field activities. And then you had the early signing period. So, but, you know, you watch some of these bowl games that are starting to come on uh, television, Utah State's big win over Oregon State. And, and you, you know, you obviously the NFL is wrapping up and you realize, wow, Hawaii's got one more game left at the Clarence T.C. Ching. And uh, hopefully it's going to be packed and hopefully they'll continue uh, the strides they made, especially offensively, uh, those last two games of the season. And RJ, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot to talk about with the game itself, and we don't want to overlook that. There's a lot to talk about in regards to recruiting, which is always a very pivotal time for any program. And so we don't want to overlook that. But real quickly, let, let's discuss uh, some of the matters that are going on with the University of Hawaii football team. We have talked at length about what took place, players' frustrations uh, brought to the surface with uh, thoughts of um, verbal mistreatment of, uh, you know, lack of culture within the locker room, team morale being extremely low, and some players voiced their opinions um, on both sides of the coin. You had, we heard from coaches, we've heard from players over the last couple of weeks. And, and I think one thing that you talked about um, at length when this first started was, okay, what happens from here? Uh, you know, you, you, you don't just close the book on this, what happens one way or the other? What happens for this University of Hawaii football team? And one thing that's been discussed over the last couple of days, and I know Stephen Sai put it into an article on Sunday, uh, was about the, the players council that's been created and uh, where, where you have captains involved, you have coaches involved. Um, but I think the biggest key is that you have every facet of the team represented now, whether it's freshmen, sophomores, uh, whether it's walk-ons, whether it's scholarship players, how important do you think that is moving forward and how much of a game changer could it possibly be that if the biggest issue with this football team is communication, if the biggest football uh, issue with this football team is that player coach dynamic, having that in place for the Rainbow Warrior football team moving forward, how much of a change could that create, RJ? 
Uh, it, it's huge. Absolutely huge. And, you know, not just for, you know, specifically any football team, but if you look at the history of the University of Hawaii, there's been some stud and stellar walk-ons to come through this uh, program. So, you know, to be able to represent, you know, in a council sort of, of way, every single facet of player, when you're not just focusing on the starters, when you're not just focusing on guys you like, when you're not just focusing on, you know, guys that can help the team imminently on Saturday, I think that is going to be absolutely huge for the locker room because you leave nobody left out. And at the end of the day, the fact that these issues were addressed at all shows that even from a coaching standpoint, there's being some responsibility accepted here. And to me, that's ultimately the, the biggest measuring stick of how much the change will be make no mistake about it players are part of the team but the coaches have to say so and if you have coaches putting things in place implementing new things that they didn't do before well that just shows they're taking some responsibility and they're looking themselves in the mirror going hey some things didn't work communication wise some things didn't work love wise some things didn't work connection wise and as we've seen in these last two games the offensive x's and o's could easily just be attributed to bo graham not being on the sideline versus being in the press box whereas now we saw that with this twitter verse with some of this drama a lot of these games were lost not specifically off of x's and o's so i think when you put a player's council when you actually speak out as a coach saying we're listening we're having conversation those are things that let me know that come next year there should only be concerns about x's and o's there should be no more drama there should be no more communication problems now at the end of the day offseason will tell more of the truth of that because these players know when they're being told the truth and when they're being sold something so at the end of the day if all of these new steps towards making a better more inclusive locker room are tried and true and they stay consistent until next year i think you will see a much bigger improvement come next season for this football program and rich you know none of us are naive to the fact that there is a clear line in the sand when it comes to the fan base that you are either for seeing what happens seeing what could happen and, and, and can change be created and can they get these wheels back onto the track and, and power forward and the other side of that is th they just want no part of it that they, they are not a supporter of the current regime of this University of Hawaii football team one way or the other and, and I think that's clear to see with how the University of Hawaii football team ended their season with two phenomenal offensive performances. And yet the overwhelming sense on social media, at least is like, yeah, big deal. All right, move on. I don't want this guy as my offensive coordinator, essentially. Um, so with everything that you've seen over the last, let's call it three weeks um, with the way that they ended the season with the way that the drama started with, how things have taken place here off the, the field in an attempt to try and improve things. Um, are you intrigued to see where this can go? Where do you lie on this as far as has the mess already been made or are we capable? And I mean, we, as in anyone involved of watching this thing play out, uh, capable of folding these clothes back and putting it nicely into the dresser, so to speak. Well, first of all, I think structurally, the University of Hawaii made a, a mistake in terms of David Matlin not really addressing this to the fans and to the media and, and, and making sure that this was headed in the right direction, Rob, because, you know, in, in our days, we used to have a saying, is it live or is it Memorex, which essentially is, is this culture actually changing or is this just verbiage? And, you know, one thing about the players, and RJ alluded to this, is players will figure you out very quickly. And if you're a coach, you have to love them up before you can break them down. You have to teach them life lessons and really care about them for them to be students and for them to really grasp the knowledge that you're teaching them. I had a coach one time come in my room, close the door and said, hey, Rich, how come the players don't like me and they like you? Well, they like me because not because I'm a player's coach, 
because I'm hard on them, but they know I care about them. I'm hard on them, but they know I love the university, that, that I love this football program, that I love them as people, but I'm not going to tolerate mistakes. So there's a difference between just being hard on everybody and uh, not loving them up, not caring, letting them know how much you care about them as people, care about their culture, care about the state of Hawaii. So has that been alleviated? Uh, I'm not really sure. But you have to attack problems, Rob, without attacking people. And there's a big difference uh, between that. So, you know, Todd Graham's an old school guy. Can he change? We will we'll, we'll see you know, in the years to come. But I think it's really important for what you're, you're talking about is this drama. A lot of fans don't want to hear about the drama. They want to see good football. They don't want this to come to the forefront. And with social media, it's going to come to the forefront. And you're going to have these situations. It's just a matter of can they continue to win and alleviate some of the drama? Yeah, we shall see how this all plays out. Because again, as we mentioned, there's another football game to play here in the 2021 season against Memphis in the Hawaii Bowl. We will talk about that in just a little bit. But first things first, let's talk about the other big news from this past week. And that was early signing day for the University of Hawaii football team as they bring in nine members, the nine initial members to the class of 2022. And I'm just going to go down the list of, of the signees this season and then get your thoughts on uh, what you think this class represents and, and maybe who intrigues you most from this class. And so we'll start at defensive back. He's a junior out of California, Berkeley. He'll have two years to play at the University of Hawaii. Chigoze Anusium, um, a player that definitely jumps out of the, uh, on, on uh, his recruiting film and what he was able to do at California in his limited time there for the Golden Bears. Another defensive back, Cameron Bell, a junior out of College of the Canyons. Um, one of three defensive backs, with the other one being Verdell Edwards II coming out of Iowa State. And so three guys with college experience, they come in right away and trying to shore up uh, some of the issues that they had on the defensive secondary for the University of Hawaii football team, while at the same time trying to make up for the losses of Cameron Lockridge, who is now at uh, South Alabama with uh, Corey Batoon, a former University of Hawaii assistant coach and defensive coordinator. And then, of course, Cortez Davis, who will be playing out his eligibility at the University of Hawaii with that 19th Hawaii Bowl against Memphis. You have one defensive lineman added to this class, and this one is a good one. It's a prep player out of St. John Bosco High School um, in California, a perennial power in the nation, uh, six foot two, 285-pound Malachi Finau who has family in Hawaii and uh, will be coming to play for the Rainbow Warriors. Running back, 5'8", 170 pounds out of a perennial power in Texas, Plano High School, uh, Tylen Hines, who spent the last year in the Air Force Academy, Prep Academy. Uh, he signed with Air Force coming out of high school, uh, but he will be leaving the Prep Academy to come to the University of Hawaii, very similar to Keloha Polaris, if you remember, out of Damien, who ended up being a Rainbow Warrior legend during that, that glory run um, in 2006, 2007, uh, and really, uh, or excuse me, 2007 through 2010. Um, where he started as a running back, ended up moving to slot back uh, and definitely uh, did some amazing things, uh, but follows that same path of going from high school to the Air Force Prep Academy and then the University of Hawaii. Uh, one linebacker added to the class, Noah Kema out of Snow College. He was a top 50 JUCO uh, ranked player by ESPN, six foot two, 235 pounds, um, has Hawaii ties as well. Uh, he's listed as from Lawrence, Kansas. Um, but his father is a college coach and they kind of bounced around as he grew up, um, but definitely with some roots here in the islands. And he's looking forward to, to come here and play for the University of Hawaii. Uh, defensive back Kona Moore um, added to that group of experienced players that we talked about. He comes out of St. Louis school, uh, six foot one, 185 pounds, had an impressive game against Mililani. And although the Trojans able to throw the ball on Saturday night in that epic game, uh, Kona Moore definitely did his side where they pretty much uh, avoided him at all costs. Uh, pretty much what we saw all season long here in the Hawaii high school football season, his teammate out of St. Louis, Ethan Spencer, offensive lineman, six foot one, 285 pounds from Kailua, uh, interior offensive lineman. So a lot of people point at uh, center being his future 
for the Rainbow Warriors. And then another offensive lineman, Junior Taase from Melbourne, Australia, but uh, went to Aquinas uh, High School in California. Uh, he made the move six foot four, 320 pounds. Coaching staff seems very excited about him. And so first things first, the nine members added to the early signing period for the Rainbow Warriors. RJ, I will start with you. Um, what do you think first this class represents? And then if there was a player that you can kind of put a check mark next to and say, uh, remind me to see how this guy plays out for the University of Hawaii, who's that guy? So uh, starting just with the guy itself, I'm definitely going to have to say Tylen Hines uh, out of Plano, Texas. They can ball in Texas, but you lose a lot of offensive weapons. Um, you know, Calvin Turner being one of those guys that you could switch, you could move around. And in his highlight tape, you could see that this guy is, is electric. He's the type of guy where you give him the ball, you give him space. He's going to be, you know, trouble. And I think overall with just it only being nine players, you know, it's not the largest class coming in, but they did hit a lot of important spots, specifically at defensive back. Like you mentioned earlier, Rob, you're going to lose three of your top five productive backs uh so to speak statistically wise uh when you talk about Cortez Davis running out of eligibility Cam Lockridge going to South Alabama and Kai Kaneshiro another multi-year starter obviously medically retiring so I think getting those DBs more so in numbers but also with experience I think that is a great uh pickup for this defensive back the secondaries they're going to need it uh you did get local talent out of St. Louis a perennial powerhouse in the state of Hawaii. So grabbing a player that's a defensive back and an offensive lineman, I think that speaks well to just keeping, you know, those ties in with the local community, being able to recruit locally. Another thing that's also been kind of questioned with this coaching staff, uh, Noah Kimma, an experienced linebacker, is going to be great to fill in with this linebacker core that had run thin. Uh, Jeremiah Pritchard has been putting some little teasers on social media as to his comeback so I'm not gonna speak on that maybe he comes back next year maybe he doesn't but if he doesn't I think that they filled a lot of very important spots with only nine players all right Rich Miano your thoughts on this uh early signing period and of course um you know there's another signing period coming in February um December especially for a group of fives uh, you're kind of seeing this strategy uh, around the country for some of the programs as far as hitting on the, the exact spots that you need and then almost seeing how it plays out with Power 5 programs because most Power 5 programs pretty much shoot their load. And, and, and I mean, and they just they get all the players they need right now. And then you're able as a group of five to kind of scan the, the field, scan the transfer portal and see who's still out there. Um, there's arguments on both sides on whether or not that that you know that's the strategy that will um, play out best for a group of five. Um, and of course, there's there's two sides of every coin. Um, but your initial thoughts on this nine member class and, and what player are you most anticipated and most excited about? Uh, my initial thoughts is you know this looks like as RJ mentioned uh, the the defensive back field is uh what needs to be addressed the most and it looks like some quality athletes with some length with some athleticism and, and you know we want to make sure that you're watching highlight films right so you got to get to know are these our kind of guys are these guys fabric guys are they hard workers are they disciplined are they going to be good in the community are they going to go to class sometimes you don't know that with transfer portal guys and sometimes you don't know that why are they in the portal? Why are they in junior college? So you got to do a good job, obviously, with high schools, with foundational kids, and especially local kids who you know are going to love this game and be passionate and just make your football team better. So, so a lot of those areas have been addressed. I think the elephant in the room is the quarterback position because I'm not sold on Braden Shager. And obviously, he's a young kid, and, and we're going to learn a lot more about him come December 24th. We're going to learn a lot about more about him in the offseason in terms of getting guys out there and, you know, running seven-on-seven seven and one-on-ones and really uh, orchestrating practice when the coaches can't be out there. Um, that being said, A.J. Bianco, you know, that he's not decommitted, but not signing in the early period, not graduating, and I'm not sure he's able to academically, you need those guys to be there in the spring. You need them to gray shirt. You need those quarterbacks in as soon as possible. Because if it's just Braden Shager's team, and I'm sure they're going to recruit another quarterback, especially if, our, if AJ does not sign. That's a scary proposition moving forward in terms of uh, you know, his ability to lead this team to championships. So uh, that is probably the biggest need right now. 
but you got to continue to add defensive backs. You got to continue to replace Cole Laval and Gene Pryor. You got to continue to uh, get some uh, JC Portal guys, uh, JC guys and Portal guys, as well as high school foundational guys. I think the offensive line, Ethan Spencer and the kid from Australia, they look, you know, formidable. They look like they have the size and the athleticism. So it looks like a good class. And Rob, you know, the thing about it is how much were these coaches able to get into the homes? How much were they able to understand? You, I used to walk into a home, Robert, I could tell right away if this was a good kid based upon his parents, based upon what his coaches told me, based upon what his mentors told me. So, you know, there's so much that goes into this, not just the highlight film. So, you know, you're wrong in the NFL in the first round. This is not an exact science, but I think that they did address some needs. I think that it looks like a well-rounded class. You got some local kids. You got some Polynesian kids. You got some speed. You got some size. So it remains to be seen. I, I, I think it's, you know, if you had to grade it right now and you wouldn't want to grade this class, I would give it a good solid B. You know, it's interesting. You bring up something about uh, in-home visits and um, being able to sit down with these kids and face-to-face and get to learn them. And it's kind of, you know, something that maybe often gets overlooked and we almost forget about it that um, that is just so impressive to me is that we're only, what, five weeks removed from the University of Hawaii being able to have their very first sit down with a recruit, right, which was the only team in the country in that position. Um, exactly. How much of that, you know, do you think, uh, you know, when you look at this class, and, you know, whether one way or the other, how you feel about the class, but when you sit down and, and um, you, you scan the type of football player and whether or not this football player fits into this brand of the University of Hawaii, um, how impressive is that, that, that they were able to identify and bring in players in that short amount of time with really behind the eight ball uh, being unlike any other school in the country to that point where you know, no one was allowed to come onto campus and, and have their, their visits, RJ. That is huge. I don't, I mean, you know, most players are sold at football games in and of themselves. Now, me personally, that wasn't what sold me. I came on a trip by myself and was sold to the island, to, to the kind of camaraderie that the players had. But to have not just one year, but two years of not being able to bring players to the football game. I mean, that in and of itself is just, it's its crazy. It's amazing that the coaches were actually able to pull anybody. Um, Hawaii's not the hardest place to sell to live. As a university, as a program, it may be a little bit more difficult. So to get these transfer guys, to get some of these local guys, you know, because local guys have, have been around for the drama. They've seen what's going on and all that other stuff. So to still be able to pull some local players to still be able to get transfer players that couldn't actually come see you play, that couldn't actually come out to the islands, experience all the things that, you know, if you could do, maybe you sell 12 or 13 guys instead of only nine. But I think being behind the eight ball, you know, having half a season where you can't even have fans period at your home games. I mean, parents for your current players, much less the players you want to see in the future, whom when you do bring visits, parents usually come too. My mother came to Hawaii with me on my official visit. That was an experience that me and her had that was absolutely huge. That's a part of both of our lives. So, you know, not to be able to do that, not to be able to go have in-home visits, not to be able to fly players out, you know, show them around campus, show them around town, show them around, you know, just the great parts of Hawaii that they do have that aren't necessarily a part of the football program. I think it was huge that the Coaches were able to get anybody and, you know, getting players out of St. John Bosco, St. Louis High School, getting some, you know, transfer portal guys that I'm sure Hawaii was not the only school that wanted them. I think it's pretty big that these coaches were able to get some. I mean, obviously, it's not the best class in the world, but when you look at how far behind the eight ball these coaches were in COVID rules and policy and what they're allowed to do and then what they had to deal with. I think it was pretty solid that they were able to pull these nine and only time will tell how much they're going to affect the program going forward. All right, Rich, last thing I want to talk about with this recruiting class before we move on to uh, talking about the Hawaii Bowl is I, I talked to three players and that was Chigozi, uh, Tylen, and Malachi, excuse me, five, uh, Kona Moore and Ethan Spencer as well. Um, and what I found interesting, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. And of course, you know, there, 
there, there's so many different ways of looking at this, but I found it so interesting that when talking to these players, very few of them, you know, they brought up the coaching staff, they brought up their relationships uh, that were built with the coaching staff, but really all of them talked about the relationships that was built with the players that were recruiting them, their recruiting host and, and the players that they're able to, to tap into in, in regards to, to help figure things out. And every single one of them were naming players by name. And so if it was Malachi, he was bringing up Justice Tavai. If it was um, uh, Chigoze, uh, he was talking about Corey Bethley. Tylen Hines w- was talking about um, Corey Bethley and, and a couple of the other guys. And, 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 and it's interesting because they all kind of had the same message, the same tone of before I even asked anything about what's going on with the drama with the university of Hawaii, they kind of came forward and said like, look, I, I, I handled all my P's and Q's. I asked all of these players, what's going on? What am I getting myself into? And the message that the players gave them was, Hey, look, this is a, a tough coaching staff and they're going to coach you hard, but we are better players because of it. And, and uh, you know, a couple of them even used uh, terms as far as like, Hey, you can either handle this or you can't. And, you know, and so it's up to you whether, you know, you, you're going to come here and, and be able to handle this. But this is my experience with this. How interesting is that to you, Rich, that that, you know, with everything that's going on, that that was the message from players and current players that are living through this right now. Um, when, you know, we we've heard so many different stories and, and, and not saying that any one person's feelings are less important than another person's feelings um, or how they feel about the situation. But, you know, have you ever heard that, you know, in in recruiting before you've been around the recruiting game for decades and for that to, to come up and, and almost like players warning incoming players that like, Hey, this is what it's like. Can you handle it or not? And then, then, they end up signing on the dotted line. I mean, how intriguing is that to you as, as to almost in a way the the maturity of the football team and from a player standpoint of the, the guys recruiting these players? Yeah. And, and again, going back to a little bit about what RJ said as well, right? You're selling Hawaii. You're selling winning because Hawaii has won and went to bowl games. You're not selling facilities because there's much better facilities out there, training tables, apparel contracts, uh, money, all those other things. So you basically have to, as a head coach, as uh, the recruiting coordinator, find out who your players that on the current squad that will make host. We always, like if we would have shown Nate Elauer our facilities, he would have never signed with the University of Hawaii. But if we get him with a Leonard Peters, if we get him with a Isaac Sopawonga, if we get him with a Colt Brennan, you know, guys that are popular, uh, guys that love this program, guys that love the state of Hawaii, they're the ones selling in that 48 hours. You know, you very really get in front of your coaches and you really can't tell, again, how sincere they are, what type of coaches they're going to be just by that. But you can ask those hosts, hey, what is this drama all about? Is this drama for real? Is it, is it something that's going to affect, you know, me reaching my genetic uh, predisposition? Uh, is it going to allow me to, again, what, these guys all care about playing in the National Football League. Believe it or not, Rob, they have dreams, right? So is the strength coach going to allow me to become more explosive, faster, quicker, better changer? Is the position coach going to teach me things that are going to be applicable at the next level? So there's a lot of that going on in this 48 hours, right? And so, yeah, I think the most important thing is picking a great host. I think the most important thing is selling Hawaii. I think it's also selling winning being on national television. Um, All those things are important, but it is your best players that are the happiest in this program that should be doing the recruiting. So kudos to Hawaii for getting players to let these recruits know it's going to be tough. Todd Graham's a tough coach, but they're going to teach us stuff on defense that is applicable at the next level. Uh, Yeah. Offensively, we got better the last two games, so we can score points. We can, you know, uh, execute properly. So I think all that stuff, you know, elite discipline, elite conditioning, 
shoot, if I'm a player coming in here, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of discipline. I want to learn life lessons. Even if you don't think so, trust me, you do. And then parents want that as well for their kids. So not all about this staff is negative. It's just, again, will this staff adapt to these players, continue to make it hard, but at the same time, continue to make it fun. And more importantly, do not attack the person, attack the problem. Yeah, and you know, right along the uh, lines of what Rich said, you know, it, it's it's really up to these players how they feel in the locker room and what they're going to sell that's going to make it. I mean, two guys that come into my mind are Steven Lakalaka and Leo Kaloa Matungi. Not because only they recruited me, hosted me, and had me sold within eight hours, but when you talk about the regime, the Norm Chow regime, it almost amazed me how many players they were actually able to sell Hawaii to with no winning. Make no mistake about it. Ty Graham did have this little blip in his Twitterverse where it kind of blew up and brought a little bit of drama, but the guy has two bowl games, a ranked win, and a top defense in the country in his first two years. So there's a lot more to give as far as his resume and knowing that you can be good. The proof is in the pudding that Ty Graham can actually put you in a position to succeed. But more than that, when you get players that could sell you the island with this type of performance, then, you know, it's almost a no-brainer when you start to see some of the players that come and how excited they are to be here. You know, like in your interviews, Rob, you could see not only were the players committed, they were committed with a purpose, with a passion, and somebody convinced them that they're making the right decision by coming to the University of Hawaii, regardless of outside interference and I've seen hosts do that in a much worse regime so I think these players are starting to see that hey with the little improvement that we've made you know personally and what we're actually still doing on the field make no mistake about it the University of Hawaii is somewhere you want to be all right RJ I, I know you got to get going in about 10 minutes so I want to real quickly make sure we talk about the Hawaii Bowl and I'll let you go first uh Hawaii Memphis I'm sure you're starting to, to study up on this game. Uh, you're yes, excited to be down there and to be able to see this one play out um, yes, with, when you see it, and especially with all the uncertainties of, of, of who will be there and who won't be there. And, and talking from a academic standpoint for both teams, talking about the you know draft status of certain players, talking about transfer status of certain players. And then the big elephant in the room is as we sit here, it gets worse and worse every single day with this COVID-19 pandemic and the new variant and, and the numbers rising is that, will there be an issue with players from Memphis? Will there be a player uh, issue with players from the University of Hawaii as far as who may pop up with a positive test and, and how will that affect this game? Uh, and, and so when you look at this game without all of that, without all of the uncertainty with what you are certain about, as far as these two teams, what excites you most about this game? Um, I think this is the perfect matchup for the University of Hawaii to prove that, you know, we may have lost some players, but at the end of the day, there's still good performances to be made and we can still beat good teams. Make no mistake about it. Memphis is a good team. Their quarterback, Seth Hannigan, number two in his conference and passing yards, number four in his conference and passing touchdowns. You're talking about a team that tied with the University of Hawaii, 27 total team sacks. So this is a team that knows how to get to the quarterback, which is the absolute last thing you want to hear when your starting quarterback leaves, when you lose your starting running back, when you lose one of your better corners, who's not going to go. Well, actually you lose two DBs, but one of your better corners when you're going to face a team that passes as good as Memphis does. So I think a win uh, Christmas Eve would be exactly what this university needs, what the fans need, because you're going to see when this team lines up, it is a talented team. It's a good team and they are going to try and exploit any and every weakness that the university of Hawaii has number one being the air attack and trying to get at some of these DBs that haven't played as much and getting after the quarterback whom we've mentioned multiple times is barely old enough to vote can't even take a sip legally yet so you know when you got all of this stacked up against you I think it makes it that much better when you face a game because when you win games like that then the victory is that much sweeter it's that much more positivity injected back into that locker room, injected into the recruit class, injected to the program. Make no mistake about it. You talk about, you know, 
play or coaches who aren't always loved it and you know always aren't fair with their players Nick Saban is one of the most disciplinary and will rip you coaches that there is but that performance on the field the way he does connect with his players to get them to understand him that is what makes Nick Saban different and Todd Graham has showed us I could give you a top defense in the country not the conference not on the west side of the Texas no the entire country I can get you tops and turnovers add that to a locker room that is starting to love each other add that to a victory against a Memphis team when you lose as many good players as the University of Hawaii has lost then I think you are talking about a victory that can spark an absolute shock especially coming in the next season and reverberating the fan base and getting this locker room back to a place where hey okay we had drama we had distractions but that's behind us now we got a bold victory and going forward we're going to be the best team that we possibly can and winning against this difficult Memphis team I feel like will be the best way for all of this drama for all of these transfers and all of this nonsense to be in the past where it belongs all right Rich uh obviously I think on the surface, six and eight looks a lot worse than seven on seven, right? And so I think at the end of the day, I mean, that is the big one. When you look at why is this game so important for the University of Hawaii football team, when you look back in the history books in 2021, and if it says seven and seven, it's like, oh, okay, all right. You know, they, they, they had some wins. They had some losses. When you look at six and eight, it's like, nah, nah, we don't want any part of that. Um, so beyond that, why is this game so important for the University of Hawaii? Well, it's important what you just talked about, too, right? So you don't have a losing record, right? And um, it, it's important because it's December 24th. And with the potential for a television audience, maybe as large or larger than any game they played this year, based upon where this Hawaii Bowl is located in the television schedule and on our calendar the day before Christmas. Yeah, these are recruits. These are the perception of uh, people throughout the country. Is Hawaii, and in the past, Hawaii has not done too well on national TV. It's starting to get better on national TV, and it needs to get a lot better on national TV. Because from a recruiting standpoint, from a uh, any, from even a sponsorship standpoint, from a legitimacy standpoint, and I, and I think just an alumni standpoint, you continue to play in bowl games, you continue to win bowl games, which Hawaii's have been very successful winning bowl games. So this is like a streak going on. And uh, just for the psyche of this program, it's for the AJ Biancos. It's for some of these local kids out there, some of these transfer portal kids out there, some of these junior college kids out there, some of these mainland kids out there. You know, you get a guy from John Bosco. That was a big get for the University of Hawaii. That's a heck of a football program, one of the best in the country. All of this is all about your aura. All of this is about marketing. All about this is winning. It makes things easier to recruit. It makes things easier to go to Costco, you know, the day after the game or the next month or the off season. When you win your bowl game like they did against BYU, when you win your bowl game like they have in the past couple of years, it just makes the whole off season that much better. This coaching staff has been maligned, so to speak. This, these players are questioning, you know, whether they're coming back, whether the direction is good. Winning cures a lot of ills, Rob, and winning on national TV, winning bowl games, winning your last game of the season, you're only as good as, you know, they say you are, and this last game could have a lot to do with just catapulting this coaching staff, this recruiting offseason, uh, everything to do with getting facilities built. It just makes things a little easier. All right, RJ, I know you got to get out of here in about two minutes. So I'm going to give you one last opportunity. Um, you know, you can tell us why you think that this game is so important for the University of Hawaii and its future or whatever it is that you want to talk about. This is your chance to drop the mic here on BFF. Hey, hey you know, I, I feel like with everything that's happened with the question marks, with the with the two and two record of games separated by one score or less, you lost your starting quarterback to a op. Now, I don't know if everybody know what op is, but that's short for opposition. So your starting quarterback is going to San Jose State, one of the teams you will play regularly. You lost one of your best cornerbacks. You lost your best running back for all intents and purposes. So add that to the drama. Add that to, to everything that you want to stack up against the university. Guess what? It is still standing. And at the end of the day, a, a performance 
against Memphis, like the last two games that you've had, with missing pieces, with a questionable locker room, with questionable morale, a nice, great win against Memphis December 24th will negate all of that. It will put all of this drama back in the past and going forward, like we spoke about on Bo's football final, like multiple media people have spoken about, like even Todd Graham and some of these players have spoken about. The solution going forward is more important than the problems of the past. So for these players and these coaches, their biggest attribution to the solution will be a victory come December 24th. That is the most important aspect right now you have your players counselors you had your get together you've been called out and you've acknowledged being called out all of that's done now the only thing that can be done going forward is december 24th when memphis comes into your home stadium of tc ching what performance you give in that 60 minutes is going to lead everything that is going to come after as far as what fans say what coaches say who stays who goes what recruits commit and what recruits don't. So as of right now, the only thing of importance is beating the Memphis Tigers. And if you are a fan of this university, buy a ticket, get your COVID test, bring your vaccination card. You can bring your kids now. I don't want to hear it because I'm going to be there. Everybody needs to show up, pack out TC Ching and show these players, show ourselves what this program can become if everybody, puts their best foot forward and only want success for the university of Hawaii football program. Right on RJ. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, have a great rest of your day. And we're not going to see you until after Christmas wraps up. So Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Much love, brother. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Much love guys. He muted. You're muted. All right. Mahalo, RJ. Uh, Rich, before we get out of here, there's a question that I want to ask about this football game and the clear storyline of starting quarterback Shevin Cordero will not be there for the Rainbow Warriors. Instead, you will have true freshman Braden Shager, who has had some starts. In fact, the biggest win of the season came with Braden Shager at quarterback for the University of Hawaii football team against Fresno State. And so this was kind of a, a Bose football final mailbox question. Uh, I want to thank Higa for sending it in. We're going to get to a bunch of the questions next week because there's a lot of non-time sensitive questions that were asked this week, which I absolutely love. And since next week will be kind of our season finale of Bose football final, I wanted to save some for then. So uh, the, the lone question that we're using this week from the Bose football final mailbox is what will be the game plan? What will be the offense for the University of Hawaii that best gives them a chance to beat Memphis with Braden Shager at quarterback? Your thoughts, Rich? Yeah, my thoughts are this, Rob. And, and, and it's, you know, as we were watching this offense not execute during the early part of this season, as we were watching and expecting bigger plays, uh, explosive plays, uh, lack of discipline. We had then got Braden Shager in a game against Fresno State. And I thought, you know, I had to give credit to Bo Graham. I, I thought that was his best game plan to date. And this, the last couple were also really good against Colorado State and Wyoming. But the Fresno game, the ball was coming out on timing. We saw the smokes, the hitches, the funnel screens, the bubble screens. We saw the running game. We didn't see the penalties in terms of illegal procedures. There wasn't the vertical long ball, long foul balls, you know, tough completions. When he did throw deep, I remember Bo Graham, he threw a, a, a skinny post that almost got intercepted by two of the Fresno State defensive backs. We came back to the short passing game. We came back to the rhythm throws. We were running the ball effectively because that offensive line is capable of being a physical, you know, let them eat, so to speak. And then, you know, I, I think losing Day Day Hunter was big, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, we still have a good running back that's capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. It's capable of the inside, outside stretch zone. So I do think that if we, if Bo Graham designs this game plan where we're not throwing the ball too much vertical because RJ mentioned this team Memphis is able to sack the quarterback they're able to pressure the quarterback this is not a scrambling guy that's going to make a lot of plays 
extending plays with his feet. He's not going to beat you, you know, running for chunk yardage. He's going to have to get rid of the ball, make good pre-snap decisions, be on timing. And I think that this offense is capable. Once you get it into the hands of Jared Smart, Calvin Turner, uh, Dietrich Parsons, and, and, and uh, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Mardner, guess what, Rob? These are some good athletes. They're going to make people miss. They're going to move the chains. You just got to get the ball out of your hands quickly. Fresno State was the game plan, was the blueprint for success. And I think if they follow that, good things are going to happen. You'll have an early Christmas present. And the last thing I want to ask you is, and especially with your experience of coaching at the University of Hawaii through bowl games and especially through the infancy of the Hawaii Bowl where there are matchups and, you know, obviously there are losing efforts like Tulane in 2002. There are some epics, 2003, 2004 against Houston and UAB respectively, 2006 against Arizona State. And and what I, what I think we all saw, and I remember at this time of the year covering those teams uh, always looking forward to was how does UH bring in players and packages that we haven't seen throughout the season because they finally have a couple of weeks to prepare, uh, you know, really almost a month to prepare for one specific opponent and and to uh, almost reassess your roster again and be like, you know, this is this is a guy that maybe could have helped us and we weren't able to to use them. And, and I know in those previous years, um, academics. Um, at that winter break was always an issue where you had some key players not playing bowl games. And in turn, you saw some production from players that you did not expect over the years. And whether it's a Chad Mock coming out of nowhere or a younger player that maybe you anticipated uh, uh, to, that you'd see big plays uh, being made later on in his career, but having to be forced into that situation are there any players that, that you're kind of looking at when you're viewing the, the roster right now and obviously eliminating Braden Shager and seeing how he rises to the occasion in place of Chevin Cordero? Um, but, you know, is it the running back position with no Day-Day Hunter, you know, and, and who steps in um, beside Diedrich Parson? Is it, you know, in the receiving core where you have a Calvin Turner Jr. available, but how available will he be when this is a guy that wants to play at the next level and how many um, you know, uh, positions will he be put in in a game like this in his final game at the University of Hawaii with so much to play for uh, moving forward? And we, we see sometimes coaches pull the reins back on some of those kinds of players. Is it a Jonah Ponoke stepping up? And, and so and then on the, the defensive side of the ball as well, um, is there anyone that you have in mind that you're like, man, I really want to see what the University of Hawaii can do with this player? Yeah, and, you know, I thought you brought up a great point, Rob. The unknown in a bowl game in terms of how many practices you have, the amount of time. You, you talked about COVID, which is could be a possibility. You also talked about academics, which is a possibility in terms of how you finish, you know, in terms of being academically eligible. Then you talked about, you didn't talk about like a Kowali Nishigaya who got hurt in practice this past week, whatever else. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things going on in terms of preparation, in terms of getting guys healthy, in terms of, you know, who's eligible to play in this football game. And I'm thinking more positional. I'm thinking about if you don't have a Cameron Lockridge, who is going to be that boundary cornerback that steps up? Because you can't just depend upon guys coming in. I'm also thinking about Hakili Kili'i guys like that, you know, who's going to have to maybe get in in passing situations and be that back to spell Diedrich Parsons, maybe the H back. Is the tight end going to be more involved in the passing game, you know, that we've seen all year and we've expected more production from that position. And then, you know, Rob, I'm, I'm thinking more schematic, you know, in terms of that quick rhythmic passing game and all those other things. But yeah, a Jonah Pinocchi, perfect time to step up when you know you're losing Jared, uh, when you're Calvin Turner, uh, Jared Smart, you're losing, you know, playmaking receivers. Jonah Pinocchi had a big game against Wyoming. Will that continue? So you're right. And But I, I'm thinking of guys like Kamana. I'm thinking about Nalu Emerson. I'm thinking about Tiger Peterson, not just on special teams, but will they get some time based upon some of these opportunities? All right. We shall see what happens December 24th, Christmas Eve, Hawaii and Memphis playing in the 19th Hawaii Bowl. Kickoff is at three o'clock. Again, it will be televised on ESPN. 
But as RJ said, get down to the stadium. There are no roadblocks anymore. Uh, if you're <laughs> unvaccinated, it's all good. You just have to turn in your negative test. If you have kids and you can't afford a babysitter, but you want to go to the game, well, that's all good too. Kids can come to the game now, unlike any of the previous games here this season at the University of Hawaii's on-campus makeshift stadium, the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. So get down to the stadium, enjoy the holiday season. And I think that, that one thing that, that always needs to be remem remembered is, you know, never take it for granted. Who knows what, what happens? I mean, whether it's going through a stretch like we all experienced, it, you know, during that Norm Chow era where there was no bowl game to speak of because the, the team had no chance of playing in bowl games, or whether it's a, a 2020 where, you know, games are being played, but people aren't allowed there in 2021, it, it bled into that. And so don't take it. If you love football, if you love University of Hawaii football, don't take any of this for granted. Get down to the stadium, experience it, because you never know when the game is going to be taken away from all of us. Um, uh, one, anything else you want to say, Rich, before we hang this thing up? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't want to get negative and say that this program is at a crossroads, but I think it's very important, as you just mentioned, and I think there will be food and refreshments as well for the first time. And you don't have to just survive on bottled water that you have to buy for, you know, four hour span the day before Christmas when we're all hungry. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, enjoy this and enjoy uh, contributing to this program in terms of the success, hopefully moving forward. And uh, that's an early Christmas present in itself. How can you continue to give as we all do here in the state of Hawaii? We'll go buy it. Go buy a ticket to this game, sell this place out, make this atmosphere something that we can all be proud of because we are at this crossroads where we want to see the support for this football program. And we want to get forget about the drama, at least for one day, and support this university because we're all big fans of the state of Hawaii. And we need to sell this game out and we need to have that environment that these kids so well deserved, especially the senior class, Rob. They haven't seen it sell out at TC Ching. They haven't seen that place rock like the old Clum Gym, like Stan Sheriff, it, like the capabilities of Aloha Stadium when it had 50,000 people. And that place was shaking. All right. We shall see what happens. And, and, and hey, and if there's a Christmas wish, and you know me, I'm the uniform guy, right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> there we I'm, go. I'm a little too into uniforms. Um, but let me say this, all right? Bowl game is the time for creativity, right? In the playbook and personnel and all that. Get creative. I want to see the University of Hawaii get creative. You have options. You have a white helmet that you've only worn once. You have a combo that people in Hawaii have never seen before with whether that be the black jersey with the white pants and white socks and white shoes. I mean, I that's what I want to see. I want to see white helmet. Black jersey, white pants, white socks, white shoes. We've never seen it in University of Hawaii history. Now is the time, right? With all this craziness going on with the program, give, give the fans something they've never seen before. Get the players something they've never seen before and play this game in a, in a different look. The, the only thing I don't want to see, I just don't want to see all black. I, I, I love the all black look, but this is a time to just switch it up, man. We see that on national television all the time, switch it up, but I don't know. I mean, there's going to be people that disagree with me on that, but I'm just saying, let's switch it up, man. Let's get creative. Let's have fun. Let's do something for this Hawaii bowl. But of course, none of us have anything to do with what they wear. So I'm just throwing it out there, but we shall see what happens. Uh, uh, we will be back for the season finale of Bose football final next Monday, where we'll be wrapping up the bowl game. We'll be talking about the season ahead. We'll be talking about the recruiting period for February. I mean, everything. We'll just wrap this whole thing up and get ready for 2022. Rich Miano, much mahalo as always. For RJ Hollis, I'm Rob DeMello. Happy holidays, everybody. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you back here next week on Bo's Football Final. Aloha. Aloha.